you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Happy New Year. Today is Monday, January 3rd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, bringing you the first Locked On Orioles episode of 2022, hoping to continue a great year of the podcast after a record-setting year in 2021, and hopefully all of you stick around as we inch closer and closer to the 2022 baseball season. But on today's episode, it is another Mailbag Monday edition of the pod. Got three questions to answer from listeners about the Orioles coming up on today's episode. One of them is about the Oriole way, you know, what was instilled under Earl Weaver and Cal Sr., and how that has still a place, maybe not those exact teachings, but is there a current Oriole way here in 2022? Then we'll talk about a uh, free agent pitcher who has retired, we think, Maybe not. One fan asks, should the Orioles go after him? And then a question about potentially trading prospects, because at some point the Orioles are going to have to stop hoarding prospects and trading these players to get better at the major league level. The question is, will that come maybe sooner than later? So that is all coming up on this Mailbag Monday episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day podcast is free and available on all podcast listening platforms and remember it's the only Orioles podcast out there bringing you three episodes a week as we go into 2022 during this lockout we're going to be Monday Wednesday Friday most weeks up until the season gets closer but once we get back into March we are back to five days a week Monday through Friday we're the only Orioles pod out there giving you that kind of content. And if you like what you're hearing on the pod, like, follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, if you could give a rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app, that really helps a lot. And if you're a Spotify listener new to the Spotify app, you can give a podcast rating on Spotify. So if you could give us a five-star rating, if you listen on Spotify, that really, really helps out the pod as well and hoping to bring you more fantastic Orioles coverage here in 2022. But again, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today and maybe your first listen of the new year, it's a Mailbag Monday here on the podcast. Three questions all submitted by listeners here on this episode, all having to do with the Orioles that we will address here on the episode. And the first question comes from listener Ben via email, who wrote in here. The way I understood things as a kid was that although Baltimore was a much smaller city and the O's had a much smaller budget, we were able to beat the Yankees because we played a smarter game with an emphasis on pitching and defense. And instead of buying up all the talent, we developed young players straight out of high school according to a coherent, consistent style of play, the Oriole way. And then Ben writes, so nowadays I keep thinking that a new Orioles way is our only hope for competing in the AL East. He asks, are Elias and friends establishing a solid infrastructure with a smart, coherent, consistent style of baseball from single A up to train raw talent so that we can look forward to a few decades of competitive teams in Camden Yards? And this is a really good question from Ben, and thank you for the question. Uh, Ben actually asked another question as well. Uh, The plan is to answer that one on next week's Mailbag Monday episode. But to address kind of the Oriole way, I would argue that right now, the Orioles, you know, from top to bottom, from the Dominican Summer League all the way up to the big leagues, have even more of a, quote, Oriole way 
than they have ever had before. And a lot of this has to do with just things being taught succinctly and things being taught on the same timeline and by the same criteria in every single level of the system. This was an issue during the, you know, Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter years. And frankly, the many years before that, you know, in the long stretch between 97 and 2012, when the Orioles missed the playoffs for 15 consecutive years, there was no cohesiveness between what was happening in the minors and what was happening in the majors. And this has been talked about a lot. I believe uh, Brian Gonzalez, who was an Orioles draft pick, a pitcher in 2014 and was in the system all the way up until 2020, spoke about this on a podcast recently. He's actually in the Rocky system now about how he just was kind of told to go out there and throw and then was reprimanded when it didn't go well. Like there just wasn't good teaching and he was learning different things every time he you know, moved up a level in the Oriole system. That was under the old regime. The new regime is doing things differently. And one thing they've done is, you know, they've they've streamlined the hiring process from, you know, these new minor league, you know, whether it be hitting or pitching coaches or developmental coaches or, or skills trainers or, you know, biochemists that they've brought in or even the strength and conditioning team that they've had at the minor league level. The Orioles are hiring new people and making sure they are all on the same page in what's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen on the pitching side that uh, we can get into in a future episode, but I wanted to focus on the hitting side because I think this is where you can really see, you know, where this new Oriole way, if you want to call it that, really comes from. And, you know, it's, it's easier to see it because the Orioles have drafted more hitters over the past few years and the system as a whole, you know, its depth comes from the hitting side more so than the pitching side, although there's a lot of good pitching depth. You know, there's more hitters, let's say, in the Orioles' top 30 prospects at the moment. And I think a key thing to look at here is the approach of Orioles hitters and how it's being taught at every single level. Whether you are, you know, in the FCL, you were just drafted, or you're 18 years old, or you're in AAA, you know, knocking on the door to the big leagues, or you're a young player in the big leagues, you're being taught these same things. And all these hitting coaches across all of these levels, whether it is, you know, Ryan Fuller and Matt Borkschulte, now the co-hitting coaches at the major league level, or it's some of these guys like Tim Gibbons and others who are coaches at the minor league level who are teaching this as well. It's all kind of the same thing. And a lot of it is about approach. And, you know, it's about essentially swinging at better pitches. Now, some of this information uh, from a midseason article from John Mioli at the Baltimore Sun, uh, which was published back on June 23rd, and a lot of these things continue throughout the season. Now, you know, it's a, it's a little tougher to dig up the full season numbers, uh, but, you know, he talked to Buck Britton, who, of course, was the AA Bowie manager last year, will be moving up to be the AAA Norfolk manager in 2022, and just talked about, you know, the things that are happening in the system. And, you know, basically what the Orioles have done with this new approach is jump all their stats midway through the season. You know, they had bumped up their on-base percentage, their batting average, their OPS, their walk rate, and, you know, everything had gone up. Now, the strikeout rate is a little bit up as well, but they were scoring way more runs per game this year than they did in 2019. And, you know, it's a lot about what they call swing decision. And this is a lot of what Ryan Fuller has talked about as well, who was the double-A Bowie hitting coach and is now the co-major league hitting coach. And one of the big things that Fuller has instilled along with this system is that he wants hitters to swing at strikes. And it seems pretty simple, but here's a quote from Ryan Fuller from that John Mioli article 
from the Baltimore Sun in June. We know anybody can look it up on Baseball Savant or anything that's online. The balls that are hit hardest are the balls over the plate, whether it's a fastball, slider, or changeup. So we're really looking to do damage over the heart of the plate. If it's a slider 00 or a slider 32, and they can put it in an area we feel like we can get a good swing off of, they're being rewarded for that. If it's a pitch, a ball or two off the plate, and you get punched out, we're saying, that's not what we deal with. We're not preparing you for low A or double A. You're being prepared for Yankee Stadium, Game 7, ALCS. The zone is going to get better as you go up. We need to refine that zone with our swing decisions here in Bowie. And that is a tremendous quote from Fuller and also really encapsulates everything that I'm going to say here is that, you know, they are preparing these players to be ready for an ALCS Game 7 at Yankee Stadium. They're not trying to get them, you know, they would like them to get more hits in single A, but they're trying to have them more success in the big leagues. And it's basically this whole understanding of having a better understanding of your strike zone. And the Orioles had one of the biggest increases of walk rates in their system of any minor league system from 2019 to 2021. Pretty much everybody, every hitter in the system this year increased their walk rate because they had better pitch selection. They weren't swinging at balls outside of the zone. They were knowing their strike zone, swinging at strikes. And guess what? As Fuller said there, hardest hit balls, the most hit, the most home runs are going to come from balls in the strike zone. And, you know, there's another thing that the, you know, whole system has really talked about as well, which I thought was really interesting, is they have kind of preached, you know, if you strike out looking on a pitch that is outside the strike zone, but it's called strike three because it's a minor league umpire and they're not great at their jobs and, you know, the zone is not as good as it's going to be as you move up levels, the coaching staff is okay with that. You know, if they go back and watch the video and a guy takes a 3-2 pitch that's clearly off the outside corner, clearly ball four, and the umpire rings him up for strike three, it is not the approach of, come on, you got to protect. That is kind of the old way of doing it, especially at the minor league level, where it's more about development than results. If they go back and look at the video and they see, wow, that ball was, you know, three baseballs off the plate, that was a good take, that should have been ball four, and you should have worked a walk, the coaching staff is going to be happy with that player and want that player to continue laying off that pitch and working their walks and waiting to get their pitch. And, you know, that is just a huge thing for this system moving forward because that's what it needs to be at the minor league level. It can't be about results of the minors. It needs to be about process and development. The Orioles are preaching at every level. You know, you are looking for your pitch. If there's a pitch on OO and it's called a strike and it's 0-1 but it wasn't your pitch, it's okay that you didn't swing at it. you got to go after your pitch. And sometimes you're just not going to get your pitch in, a, in an at-bat, and maybe that means you strike out, and the Orioles are okay with that as well. The walks are up. The OPS is up. They're hitting more home runs. They're having all these great developmental skills in these players and all these great breakout players that they had in the minor leagues in the 2021 season. So to not fully, because, you know, we didn't even talk about the pitching, but to kind of partially answer Ben's question, that is the new version of the Oriole wet here as we slide into 2022, is that up and down the system, at least on the hitting side, and this is the case on the pitching side, but you know that'll be a different episode where we can get into that. But on the hitting side, it is about the approach, getting your pitch, this you know swing decision, this pitch selection. They want their hitters to be more selective, and maybe they'll get rung up on some bad calls in the minors, but their whole point is it's going to pay off when you get to the big leagues. The strike zones are much better, and when you take that pitch when you get to the bigs, it's going to be a ball, and you're going to be on base, and more base runners means more runs, and more runs means more wins down the stretch. And I just think that quote about you know not preparing guys for a double-A at-bat, 
They're preparing guys for Game 7 of the ALCS at Yankee Stadium. That has to make you feel good that the whole system is buying into that philosophy as the Orioles hopefully get closer and closer to actually winning some ball games at the Major League level and closer and closer to maybe actually getting to a spot like the ALCS. But thanks, Ben, for the question. We'll answer your next question uh, on next week's Mailbag Monday episode. But uh, coming up next, we are going to talk about an interesting question having to do with Orioles prospects. You know, they've been acquiring a lot of good young players over the last couple of years. At what point do they maybe start to trade those guys for more major league talent? We'll talk about that coming up after this. So we'll get to our second mailbag question of the day in just a second. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. And it's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution, because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or just taste bad. And here's the thing about Built Bars. They have so many delicious flavors, from coconut almond to my favorite peanut butter brownie, how about salted caramel, cookies and cream, and many more. And they're always coming up with new limited-time flavors as well. And all the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And here's the best part. Most of the bars contain just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So they're delicious, and they're good for you as well. So to get your hands on these delicious protein bars, go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So we're back here on a Mailbag Monday episode of the podcast answering your Orioles questions. And our second question of the day actually comes from Apple Podcasts in the review section. And if you would like to ask a question in the review section of Apple Podcasts, definitely encourage that as well. It comes from Bob the Moose 63 via the Apple Podcast review section, who says, first of all, great way to keep up with the Orioles throughout the year, uh, according to to Bob about this podcast. So thank you, Bob. And then his question is, do you think there are any circumstances that the Orioles would be tempted to trade some of their top prospects? And obviously, there's going to come a time down the road when they are definitely going to be looking at trading some of their top prospects because that is how baseball is run. That is how you acquire good players at the major league level, especially if you don't have all the money in the world to spend it on free agents that the Angelos have shown they are not willing to do. So the question is, you know, when does that happen and will it happen? And first, I would like to let everyone listening know that, you know, take a look at maybe the Orioles' top 10 prospects right now. On MLB.com, their top 10 prospects, Rutschman, Grayrod, D.L. Hall, Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, Heston Kerstad, Kyle Bradish, Connor Norby, and Mike Bauman. Now, of those 10 players, only one of them has been to the big league so far, Mike Bauman briefly at the end of last season. And you can expect, I would say, at least three more of those guys to get to the big leagues this year. If you include Kyle Bradish, Adley Rutschman, and Grayson Rodriguez, with, I think, a, a, a chance that D.L. Hall gets there too. So you could have five of your top ten prospects uh, be in the big leagues by some point in 2022. And that is good, and you would like for all five of those guys to be solid contributors on your next good Orioles team. But, you know, take a look at that list of guys. And I think the Orioles are settling in, and they're going to run with, at the very least, Rutschman, Rodriguez, Hall, and Henderson. I think 
That top four of guys, the Orioles are hoping all four are playing huge roles on the next, you know, really good Orioles team at Camden Yards. But below that, you know, even guys like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, you know, the Orioles' last two first-round picks, anything is on the table. If, you know, we get two years from now, neither of those guys are in the big leagues yet, and the Orioles are really trying to make the playoffs, and maybe they would deal them for a a player. But it's not going to happen now. You know, I don't see the Orioles trading any of quite frankly, their top 30 prospects, you know, from Adley Rutschman all the way down to to John Rhodes, who ranks number 30 right now, the outfielder they drafted last year out of Kentucky. I don't see them trading any of those guys really this offseason or next season. But, you know, we get to next offseason, heading into 2023, the year the Orioles are expected and expecting themselves to compete at the major league level once again. And I think these guys could be dealt. And again, that Rutschman, Rodriguez, Hall, and Henderson group, I don't see that group really being dealt. But beyond that, you know, things could happen. And it's interesting to look at this because the Orioles are going to have to trade some of these top guys. And I know it's been great to see fans, you know, really follow the system more and more and, and fall in love with minor league baseball again. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the major league product has been so bad for the O's over the past couple of years. But at the minor league level, you know, fans know a lot, lot more about this system. And it's great because, you know, it's a consensus top two system in major league baseball. But You look at all of these top 30 guys on the MLB.com list, and yeah, I would love for all 30 of them to make the big leagues with the Orioles, be big contributors for the O's, but that's not how you build a championship contender team. You usually have a, you know, core of guys who were in your system, who you build up and help you win. Like, take a look at the Atlanta Braves, for example. I mean, you know, they didn't have the greatest regular season at 88 and 73, but guess what? They won the World Series title, so... That doesn't really matter. And let's take a look at, you know, what their lineup looked like. Freddie Freeman obviously is like Mr. Atlanta at this point, and he's been with that organization forever, a homegrown guy. You look at Austin Riley, who they brought up and had a fantastic year this year. And then you look at Ozzy Albies and, you know, even Ronald Acuna, who, you know, missed the postseason, missed half the year with a torn ACL. But you can still say Acuna, he's probably the best player on that team. They didn't even have him when they won the World Series, but he is a homegrown guy. You look on the pitching side for this team, you know, they developed Max Freed and Ian Anderson and, and got them to the big leagues to really help them out. And some of those bullpen arms helped them as well. But you look at the rest of the team and, you know, these were trades. These were free agent signings that helped them get to the point that they are. You know, Travis Darno, their catcher, he was a free agent signing. Dansby Swanson, he was a guy who was a former number one pick who they traded for, you know, in a big deal a couple of years ago. Other guys that helped them, you know, they remade their entire outfield at the deadline. Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson and, and the hero Eddie Rosario, you know, they had to trade some prospects to get those guys over to their big league team to help them out in the postseason. You look at a guy like Charlie Morton, who was at the top of their rotation. They ended up signing him in free agency. Will Smith, who was their lockdown closer, another free agent signing. You know, you're looking for these homegrown guys, and they're going to help you out, but it can't all be prospects who's going to get you to a World Series title. You're going to have a core of guys, and the Orioles hope, you know, the Rutschman, Rodriguez, Hall, and Henderson is that core of guys that can help get them, hopefully, to a World Series title. But you're going to need to bring in other players. And that'll happen some in free agency. But it seems like for the Orioles, it's going to have to happen more and more in trades. And one way I like to think of the Orioles right now is people have talked a lot about how the Orioles have mostly drafted hitters since Michael Elias has taken over. You know, all of their first round picks have been hitters. Uh, They've mostly taken hitters in the first five rounds of the draft. And their system is more so stacked with hitters than it is with pitchers. 
And that is shown in, in, you know, the guys who are in the top 30 prospect list. Only eight of the Orioles' top 30 prospects, according to MLB.com, are pitchers. The other 22 are position players. The Orioles are clearly better on the hitting side in the system. And this has, you know, garnered articles like Dan Connolly of The Athletic saying the cupboard is bare. But the Orioles still have good pitching prospects. They still have the best pitching prospect in baseball as well. Two of their top three guys are pitchers. Still four of their top ten are pitchers. But this is something I've talked about in the past. The Orioles' plan seems to be develop hitting and trade for pitching. And that's how they're going to build a good major league team. And that part of trade for pitching means you're going to have to trade from a lot of your minor league depth. So let's say we get to this time next year. The Orioles are coming off of a 70-something win season. We'll see somewhere maybe between the, uh, you know, it goes well, between the low 60s and maybe they get into the, or the high 60s, I should say, in the low 70s in wins. And they look way more competent this year. You know, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez both come up and, and look pretty good at the major league level. And things are stirring for the Orioles to potentially be a 500 or better, potentially playoff ball club in 2023. This time next year, we may be looking at the Orioles trying to trade to to get a, you know, maybe a real ace, you know, to pair with a you know, emerging ace in Grayson Rodriguez and, you know, the rookie year of D.L. Hall and still a, a solid output from John Means. And they're trying to pair those guys with a good veteran ace. And to go after that guy, you know, maybe a guy like Connor Norby or a guy like Jordan Westberg or a guy like a, a Taron Vavra or an Adam Hall, you know, any of these guys, a Hudson Haskin, a Reed Trimble, a Joey Ortiz. Maybe one of these guys is traded at this time next year. You package a couple of those guys together, you get yourself a good firm ace to come in and help out your pitching because you're trying to win in 2023. And I know, you know, Orioles fans love some of these guys. Jordan Westberg, you know, a fast riser through this system. Connor Norby, an amazing hit tool coming out of ECU. A guy like Taron Vavra, who was a, a great addition from the Rockies in that Michael Givens trade. I know we're falling in love with a lot of these players. But if the Orioles can get good major league talent, they have to be willing to trade some of these minor leaguers. And again, I'm not saying trade Adley Rutschman. I'm not saying trade Grayson Rodriguez. I think both those guys are going to be cornerstone centerpieces of good Orioles teams moving forward. But as I said, below Rutschman, Rodriguez, Hall, and Henderson right now, I think anyone would be on the table for the Orioles to trade if they could get good major league talent. I don't see them acquiring a lot more good major league talent this offseason but next offseason, I think that's going to change for Michael Elias and co. They're going to try to win games, seriously win games in 2023, and they're going to need more better major leaguers. And if the Angeloses aren't willing to shell out big contracts, your next big thing is you look at your system, you see you have a number two system in baseball, maybe number one by this point next year after they get the number one pick again You know, this summer. That's something you got to remember as well. The Orioles have a great system. They're going to add the number one overall draft pick in July. They'll probably have the number one system potentially coming up next year. If you can trade from that depth and get yourself good major leaguers, the Orioles can compete and compete well in 2023. That's what they're going to have to do. It's great to get attached to these prospects and know about these minor league players, but trust me, not all of them are going to be in the big leagues. You know, you look at this top 30 prospect list, if 10 of them are impact contributors at the big league level, that's an astoundingly good rate. So get used to these guys. Some of them aren't going to pan out. And some of them are going to be traded. And the Orioles are going to have to make those kind of trades to get better as a team at the major league level and do what we all want them to do once again, win games and try to get back to the postseason. 
But one more question to answer here on today's Mailbag Monday episode, kind of an interesting one about a potential free agent pitcher. Should the Euros go after one of the most veteran pitchers that is out there? Is he still really available? Is he still really going to pitch in professional ball? Well, one fan wants to know the answer. We'll talk about that after the break. So we've got one more question to answer here on a Mailbag Monday episode of the podcast, and it comes from Jody via email. Thank you so much, Jody, for uh, writing in, who's written in some kind words about the pod before. Thank him for that, and also asking a question here on the podcast. And I will just read the email that I got from Jody. Quote, I have a question for an upcoming Mailbag Monday. It might sound crazy, but it's actually a serious one. Two words. Big sexy. Bartolo Colon. Sure, he's 48 years old, but arguably still in better physical shape than during much of his long MLB career. He might be better than several of our current starters. He could possibly sign a minor league contract with a spring training invite, and if he made the roster, he could draw some excitement to Baltimore and put a few butts in the seats. And hey, he could possibly even pinch hit and drop a few bombs too. What do you think? Well, Jody, I don't think it's going to happen. But we could at least talk about the potential chance of Bartolo Colon maybe coming back to the big leagues at some point. I don't think it would be with the Orioles. He's kind of the opposite of what they look for in the pitchers they sign, but it's not impossible that his career is done because he's still pitching professionally at the moment. Now, in terms of Bartolo Colon, he is up there in age, as Jody said. He is 48 years old. He will be 49 early next year. I mean, basically next year will be his age 49 season for Bartolo Colon. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's getting up there and he has pitched in the big leagues. Well, I should say the last time he pitched in the big leagues was 2018. He debuted in 1997. It has been a long baseball career for Bartolo Colon. Now, first let's kind of look at at least what it looked like the last time that Cologne was on a big league mound. He was 45 years old in 2018, pitching for the Texas Rangers. 28 appearances. He made 24 starts for Texas in 2018. In 146 and a third innings, he had a 5.78 ERA, a 5.62 FIP, and he amassed 0.4 war, according to Fangraphs. Now, in terms of what it looked like, it was... An extreme case of Cologne. Basically no strikeouts. It was about 4.98 Ks per nine, which was the second lowest strikeout rate of his entire career. But it was 1.54 walks per nine, which was one of the better marks of his career. So he was even throwing more strikes, I guess you can say that, uh, in that season in about 146 innings in the 2018 season. And that was really the last time that we saw Bartolo the year before was in 2017 uh, and was really his worst year in the big leagues was in 2017 uh, when he split the year between two teams and ended up with a 6.48 ERA in 2017. And that was when he was with Atlanta and Minnesota that year. But it hasn't really been good for Bartolo since 2016 when he posted a 3-4-3 ERA in about 192 innings with the Mets. That's the last time he was really a productive Major League starting pitcher. But hey, he's still through innings, amassed a positive war in 2018. Maybe he still got something. But 
you got to remember, he hasn't pitched in the big league since 2018. It's going to be 2022. That is pretty long layoff, I would say, of being in the big leagues. Now, since that year with Texas in 2018, he did not pitch professionally during the 2019 season after he went to the Dominican Winter League in the season after 2018 and made two starts there and then did not pitch professionally in 2019 or 2020. But at age 48, he returned to the Mexican League in 2021. Now, he actually signed a contract to pitch in the Mexican League in 2020, but their season was canceled due to the pandemic. But he came back the next year, and I guess you could say he wasn't terrible this year in Mexico. At age 48, he made 11 starts in the Mexican League, which I think most people kind of equate to... It's it's not major league level. It's most people would say it's around AAA level, maybe a, a, just a tick above the you know AAA talent pool uh, in the U.S. is what the Mexican Professional League looks like. But in 11 starts, he had a 4.55 ERA on the season, so not terrible for a league just above AAA. In 61 and a third innings, he allowed 70 hits. He struck out 40 batters, again the low strikeout rate, but he walked only 10. And he gave up 12 home runs in that time. So he was at least somewhat productive. And he was doing what Cologne has done, at least to this point in his career. He's basically just throwing that two-seam fastball. You look back at 2018, the last time we saw Cologne, and you know he was throwing essentially 80% of that two-seam fastball. And that's what he's been for most of his career. Now, his usage actually went down a little bit because he added that cutter into his repertoire, and he started throwing the changeup a lot more than he ever had. But still 80% two-seam fastballs, which at this point in his career sits about 86 miles an hour, maybe, sometimes less, and a little change in there, and a little slider to go with it. But uh, yeah, that's what he looks like. And again, if he was pitching in the Mexican League this year, maybe he still wants to give it a go as he'll turn 49 next May. And maybe he wants to be, you know, at some point the oldest pitcher to pitch in the big leagues. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen with the Orioles. I thank you, Jody, for the question. But I don't know if it's over for Cologne. I mean, he's still pitching professionally. Maybe he wants to keep it going. But in terms of the Orioles, they're not looking for the older veteran guys who you know, throw two seamers and get grounders. They're looking for the opposite. They're looking for guys uh, who they can find diamonds in the rough with good swing and miss stuff, fastball slider combinations. But, uh, hey, you never know with Bartolo Colon. You uh, you just never know. He pitched until he was 45, who says he uh, can't pitch longer in the big leagues. But that'll do it for today's Mailbag Monday. We thank you so much for listening and so much for submitting questions. If you would like a question answered on a future Mailbag Monday episode. Multiple ways you can get your questions in. First, you can email us if you'd like to. It's lockedonorioles at gmail.com to send in those questions. If you'd like to tweet a question, you can tweet them at lockedonorioles, the podcast account, or th- tweet them to me at Connor Newcomb underscore my personal account on Twitter. And the DMs are open on both those accounts if you'd like to DM a question as well. Also, accept questions in the review section of Apple Podcasts. So if you go on the Apple Podcast app, leave a rating and a review. You can write your question in that review. That's how we got today's question from Bob about trading prospects. And we will answer questions on future Mailbag Monday episodes, which will continue pretty much most Mondays here throughout 
the offseason. But one more thing before we go here. Just did want to give a shout-out and a thank you to John Mioli, who has been on this podcast multiple times before, of course, has spent the last 10 years at the Baltimore Sun, and a good chunk of that as the beat writer for the Orioles has done a fantastic job covering the Orioles over at the Sun, uh, and really has done even better, it seems, since the Michael Elias regime took over after the 2018 season. Mioli has been plugged in via his sources, and the organization has really done a great job kind of explaining, you know, the fallbacks and the pluses of what Elias and the Orioles are doing with this rebuild right now, and uh, he has been the best source in terms of information about not just the major league team, but the minor league system as well. Uh, John announced late last week that he will be leaving the Baltimore Sun, uh, that his actually last articles were back-to-back articles he wrote that I talked about on the podcast on Friday where he wrote up profiles of each of the Orioles' new co-hitting coaches at the Major League level in Ryan Fuller and Matt Bork-Schulte. Both were fantastic reads, and those were his last two articles. He is leaving the sun. However, he is not done, it seems, writing about the Orioles, uh, which is great for us to hear. All he's announced is that he's moving on to uh, a different new full-time job, but at least for the time being, and potentially it seems like after that as well, uh, John is going to have a newsletter, which is still coming out, in which he will still be writing about the Orioles. So just did want to give that a plug before we go. It's called Maximizing the Playoff Odds, a Baltimore Orioles newsletter. You can subscribe to it. Uh, if you check out John Mioli's Twitter, he has linked to it. Uh, I've already subscribed. It is a Substack newsletter as well, and it is free at the moment to uh, get his stories. He just wrote up a story today about Adley Rutschman's swing change uh, from the 2021 season, where he actually modeled it about a combination of Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger going more towards the Juan Soto model, maybe the best hitter in baseball right now, to give a little tweak to his swing, and it allowed him to hit very well once he moved up to Norfolk. A great read there. That's the kind of stuff you can still find Mioli writing. We thank him for great Orioles coverage and excited that he's going to continue uh, writing about the O's even as he steps away from the Baltimore Sun. But that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. We will be back on Wednesday with an exciting guest here on the podcast for the first time here on this pod, we're going to have a current big leaguer on the podcast. Now, he's technically a free agent at the moment, but been a pitcher with the Orioles in the bigs for the last three seasons. We're going to be joined by Thomas Eshelman on the podcast on Wednesday, talk about his journey to the Orioles, his three seasons with Baltimore, what he's up to during the lockout. We'll talk a bit about you know what his free agency looks like, and we'll just learn more about Thomas Eshelman in generals we'll get more of an inside look into the orioles as he's been with baltimore over the past three seasons so that's all coming up when we return on wednesday but until then i'm connor newcomb and this has been the locked on orioles podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day